0: Live from Coach's Corner in Savannah, Christian Gokel in second down. Cam hold holding it down for us back in the studio. Again, Coach's Corner in Savannah and just getting ready for the SEC Championship. You'll be able to hear it live here on Saturday on ESPN Radio Savannah. But if you're looking for a great place to watch the game, check it out on I, I don't know. I'm getting some. I'm getting some. Uh, some looks from Cam here. No, uh, check it out on Coach's Corner live from the Sound Garden. But again, Christian GoKel alongside Cam Erschery here. Going to start off here with a guest from Yahoo Sports.com, senior writer for Yahoo Sports, and I'm really upset that PJ is not on the program today because author of Earnhardt Nation joining us on the program, Jay Busby joining us here jay what's going on man how are you cam do we have jay
1: uh we have jay on the line jay can you hear us
0: hey
2: there you go how how y'all doing
0: Oh, Jay, we're doing great, man. Appreciate you hopping on with us here again. Uh, senior writer. I am gonna, I guess we're having some technical difficulties. I'm going to let Cam take this here for a second. Cam, catch up with Jay. We'll try to get things figured out here from coaches.
1: Hey, Jay. How you doing?
2: Hey, what's going on, guys? I'm getting a real bad echo, so I'm happy to help out if we can. Let's call some football.
0: <laughs> Cam, no. I think we got it figured out.
1: Yes, we got it figured out. All there right, we we got to go. it out okay, there. Good. Jay, okay.
2: Jay, thank yes. you for Sounds bearing with doing. us,
1: man. We're,
0: we're, we're getting back in the swing of the live remotes thing here, so we're, we're doing this in three different locations. Gotcha. Gotcha. Awesome. Hey, you're up in Atlanta. You're getting ready for the SEC championship. You put out a great piece uh, about this Alabama-Georgia game and how some people maybe consider it a rivalry, but more so than that, maybe it's just two teams that have ideals and Uh, grandeur about what they want to do with their football programs and they have to get past each other every year if they're going to achieve them just as you get ready for this what's the storyline you're watching out for the most as we head to this sec championship
2: well i think the storyline has to be georgia i mean just just straight from the top uh georgia has been the best team in football by a wide margin i mean it's you know the distance between one and whoever the number two is at any given minute is much much greater than the distance between two three and four so Georgia just has to continue and has to, has to finish the drill. They have to go and, and, and make sure that they're able to win against Alabama this weekend, although that's not a requirement, but then win in the, in the two games of the playoffs. I mean, they're going to make it into the college football playoffs. I mean, assuming that they don't go and, and defect to the NFL, they're going to be in the playoffs. But they would really, really, really like to uh, get past Alabama this weekend, knock Alabama out of the playoffs, knock that monkey off their back, and, and then move forward because – it's been, as, as everyone knows, it's been 40 years, and that's a that's a whole lot of ghosts that Georgia has to, has to defeat and has the ability to do so.
0: And when you look at it coming into this game, Georgia is a heavy favorite, almost a touchdown favorite in the game. And for the most part, it seems like the national media, and I'll be curious to get your opinion on this, but the national media seems to think Georgia should win the game, and I've seen some already predicting them too, but it seems like the only hesitation from anyone, doesn't have to do with on the field, more so with the fact that Alabama's is Alabama and we've seen what they've been able to do against Georgia in the past, or I guess they say what Georgia hasn't been able to do against Alabama in the past. How much of the, I guess, question marks around this game have to do with not 2021 but years prior?
2: I think that's an excellent point. Yeah, I mean, if you if you – Took the names off the helmets here. If you took the the co- names of the coaches and you know made the coaches anonymous, and you looked at this game and just purely team A and team B, you'd say, oh my gosh, team A is going to just absolutely destroy team B. There's going to be the no contest team B, which would be obviously Alabama in this case. Uh, you know has struggled all year long, hasn't looked as good as they as as expected to be, uh, has had trouble especially running the ball and 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 blocking on the offensive line. You would think, obviously, that that team A was just going to absolutely destroy them. But as we know, Nick Saban is a master at, at figuring out what an opponent's weakness is, figuring out how to, to best address that and how to, how to mask his own team's inconsistencies and flaws for the rare times that he has them. I mean, what we, what we know now is that, and we know at this point, Georgia has not faced any real adversity this year. And so that'll be a question. How do they deal with adversity should it come to pass? What happens if Georgia is down by a touchdown heading into the into the second half or into the fourth quarter? Do all those ghosts kind of come back up in their mind, or are they able to put it past them? Are they able to do like the Atlanta Braves did, to mention another local mm-hmm. team, and, uh, and and get past it and, and not and shrug off all these those years of underachievement and and manage to uh, win it again this year?
0: Yeah, we're catching up with Jay Busby, a Yahoo Sports senior writer. Uh, And you mentioned it. They haven't faced a whole lot of adversity, specifically uh, in the second half. But a lot of it has to do with the fact that they just kind of put a chokehold on other teams and just kind of squeezed the life out of them. I know Bill Conley had a great uh, stat that he put out there where Georgia has – a total of six drives in the second half all year in which they weren't leading by 14 points. Do you feel like this Todd Munkin led offense and Stetson Bennett under center, if they are in a situation where it's a tight game and they have to pick up a first down or they have to get a score. I know the, the stat is the last three games against Alabama, George hasn't scored a point in the fourth quarter. Do you feel like this offense and led by Stetson Bennett is good enough if it comes down to it to get the job done?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean that's the thing about Georgia's just because they haven't faced adversity doesn't mean they need to in order to prove that they're a good team. They might not face any adversity against Alabama. They might just, you know, hang two touchdowns on them and, and, and just run away with it. They have the ability, they have the receivers, they have the, the, the mobile quarterback to be able to to deal with these situations, to get that first down when they need it, to get that third and long when they need it. And so yeah, I I really I see very few weaknesses with this Georgia team. And, and when you're starting to get into the, the kind of squishy elements of like, well, they haven't faced adversity, I fully admit that's not a real metric that you, you necessarily want to rely on, you know, you want to put a game plan on that you want to put your hopes on if you're Alabama. So, yeah, I mean, Georgia absolutely has the ability to go and take a punch and, and give it back twice as hard. They just haven't had the opportunity to do so because nobody stepped up. This will be their biggest challenge of, of, of the year. But, I mean, every indication, every indication says that they are ready for it.
0: All right, so i got—I got to know, what are your thoughts? Who do you think comes out on top in this game?
2: Uh, you know, I have a hard time seeing Georgia lose this game because I think that they're they are just a superior team in every way. That said, Nick Saban, you know, he's the kind of guy, he's like the New England Patriots. You don't ever yeah. want to write them off until, you know, completely they—they're everyone is retired and, and, and living on a beach somewhere. So as long as Nick Saban is on the sidelines, Alabama is going to have a chance but this just seems like based on the way that Alabama has played so far and based on the numbers that Georgia has run up I just I don't see this could be a close one you know this could be kind of a four to seven point range but I just don't see Georgia I don't see Alabama being able to hang with all of the different options that Georgia can throw at them.
0: And Jay before we let you go man I want to know I know This season's been fascinating for a number of reasons. Really, Georgia's been kind of a wire-to-wire number one uh, since they took over that top spot, Alabama losing to Texas A&M. But beyond that, it's been so much back and forth. We really haven't known who the best teams were. I mean, this time last week, we thought Ohio State was clearly the number two team in the country, but as it's come down... I think more and more the last few weeks, we've seen really, really awesome games. And rivalry week, to me, was far and away the best week of the college football season. Throwing in this SEC championship, uh, Baylor-Oklahoma State in the Big 12. I mean, how much fun has this season been for you to cover?
2: Oh, just tremendous. I mean, that that rivalry weekend, that was one of the best weekends, not just of the year, but of the last several years, last decade. I mean, you have... Three games coming down to the wire, right in, in, in completely separate ways. Not coming down to the wire, should say three great games. Michigan didn't exactly come down to the wire, but what's amazing is Ohio State very well might be the second best team in the country. I mean, they, they had a they had a bad they picked a bad day to have a bad day, as the saying goes. But oh, yeah. I mean, they very well may be the second best team in the country, and I think that Georgia might be breathing a little easier that they are not going to be facing Ohio State in the playoffs. But you know, that's how it goes. You know, the, the best team doesn't always win, especially in an elimination uh, game, and that's how it's set up. So, yeah, it's, it, the fact that we, we kind of know exactly that, that Georgia was always going to be heading this direction, that, you know, it's a little anticlimactic, but by the same token, you're right. There's so many twists and turns that this has been just a tremendously fun season to cover.
0: And we can still get a G5 team in there for the first time as well. Jay Busby, senior writer for YahooSports.com. Also, uh, Earnhardt Nation author. Like I said, I'm really disappointed uh, PJ's not on today because, man, that would have been awesome to talk about as well. Jay, we got to have you back on in the future, man. We really appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. My pleasure. Okay, SEC Championship coming up 4 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, if you want to listen to it, all the radio will have it for you on ESPN Radio, Savannah 104.3 and 1400. And, then of course, we're live at Coach's Corner right now. Coach's Corner is the spot in Savannah for all of conference championship weekend. and then bowl season coming up right around the corner as well. Broadcasting live from Coach's Corner on East Victory Drive in Savannah. This is second down for Cam Rousery back in the studio. Christian. Live from Coach's Corner in Savannah. This is second down on ESPN Radio Savannah. Christian Gokel, glad to have you all hanging out here on this Thursday afternoon. So much more to dive into. Three and out coming up next bro- be broadcasted live from coaches as well. But, Cam, we were talking about it there in the last segment a little bit, and I'm curious to get your thoughts. We look at this SEC championship, and I don't feel like for whatever reason we're looking at it through the prism of just 2021 like we're supposed to. We keep throwing these stats that have nothing to do with the 2021 team at this game, right? Georgia in the last three games hasn't scored a point against Alabama in the fourth quarter. You've seen the comebacks, the the funny stats about how long Georgia's actually led versus how many games they've won, which, of course, is zero in that series so it's just it's so many stats that have nothing to do with 2021 do you feel like that's what's skewing this game and maybe that six and a half points point point spread should be even more
1: Uh absolutely um i'm one that believes psychological advantages and obviously alabama has had that psychological advantage on us since what 2007 i mean especially with the comebacks you have 2012 You have 17 – I mean, you have 18 and 19 where you've, you know, you've blown leads. And I I think if I had to say I have Georgia winning by three, I don't think they covered that six and a half. I think that's just a lot. I mean, you're giving this team a lot of credit and kind of discredit in Alabama compared to what they've done in the past. But I'm nervous. We both know this. I'm nervous. This (laughs) is the game. So it's it's hard for me to get a lot out of this right now other than just saying, man, I'm nervous and I'm really – ready for saturday as a fan like this is the this is the one where i'm like we could finally get them
0: well here's where i'm at with this is i think this is the first time if you talk about the, the four matchups including this one uh, and then the sec championship the, the game last year and then the national championship right i think this is the first time out of those four games georgia actually has the better roster from top to bottom than alabama does now will that bear fruit and be true in the future? Maybe not. But I'm talking about right now, I feel like Georgia pretty clearly has the better roster. I mean, go back to 2017 where Alabama comes back uh, in the national championship game. I mean, you have Calvin Ridley and Jerry Judy uh, as two of your wide receivers on your team. Devonta Smith's on that team. Trevon Diggs, who's leading the NFL in interceptions right now, is on that Alabama team. Josh Jacobs, Bo Scarborough, Mac Jones. They had three NFL quarterbacks on that team, right? This is the first time I feel like out of those four matchups, Georgia has the better roster. And I also feel like, for as much as people want to say Alabama is a bad matchup for Georgia, Georgia's a bad matchup for anybody. Look at that front seven and tell me who are they going to stop? I guess maybe whoever Evan Neal's on. And then the other three guys up front, and then the linebackers coming on the blitzes. Who's going to match up and say, okay, this offensive lineman is better than Jordan Davis? Is this offensive lineman better than Jalen Carter, Devonta Wyatt, Travon Walker, Nolan Smith? I feel like you can just look at that and then spread it out. Maybe we should do that. Maybe do the position by position and say who has the advantage. But, I mean, Cam, I'm looking at these two rosters, I think pretty clearly right now Georgia has the better roster.
1: I mean, I can't argue that. This is the first year I'm, where I'm like, yeah, Georgia has a better roster. I mean, there is no – you could go back to 2012 when they had Amari Cooper, um, Eddie Lacy, HaHa Clint Dix. Uh, Reggie Ragland, dudes like that. Um, You could go back as far as that, and this is the first year where I'm like, Alabama just doesn't... I mean, Bryce Young, he's going to win the Heisman, but Alabama just doesn't have that dude this year where you're like, oh, he's that guy. He's going to change the game. I don't really see that this year, especially on the defensive side, but offense, they're wide receiver you. I love Mechie, but does he scare you like Devontae Smith and Waddle and Ruggs? Not really, so... That's where the confidence lies with me. If you look at Georgia's defense compared to Alabama's, it's night and day, in my opinion. I don't think that it's comparable in the wide receiver groups. It's kind of even once you bring Pickens back and if he could get a couple of catches, it's kind of even. After that, you may give Alabama the running back group and obviously the quarterback. Oh no!
0: See, I with with as injured as Alabama's uh, running back group, they have one scholarship back right now. I'd, I'd give yeah. Georgia the big nod in that one. And they're in Georgia by all indications should have Kendall Milton back. Brooks Austin, uh, our friend from SI, reporting that George Pickens uh, should see a significant increase in snaps coming up this weekend. A lot of snaps uh, with the ones in practice, so he's going to be a part of the game plan as well. But like, yeah, let's let's run through the roster right now. I think you started quarterback. Everyone knows you you take Bryce Young over Stetson. As good as Stetson's been, Bryce Young has 40 touchdown passes this year. I know you haven't asked Stetson to do that, but the dude I think in six out of the last seven games has thrown for over 317 yards. So, I mean, you you give it to Bryce Young there. Uh, Running back group we just said, Alabama has one scholarship running back right now that's healthy. We're still kind of waiting to see what Brian Robinson can do, but he, he's dealing with he's dealing with that injury, and they don't think he's going to be able to go. And if he does, he's going to be limited. Whereas Georgia, you have Zemir White and James Cook are your first two. Kenny McIntosh had a long touchdown last week against Georgia Tech. And then if you have, if all three of those guys, something happens. They, they get on the wrong train on Marta, and, and they miss the stadium. Okay, fine. Well, you, you still have Kendall Milton. You still have a couple of different guys as well that you feel really comfortable running the football. So I'd give the running back group to Alabama. Wide receivers, I think it's still Alabama, man. I know George no, is about as healthy of that group as possible, but you say John Mechie, and then you say Jamison Williams, who's leading the SEC in receiving, It's it's Alabama.
1: But it's not too By, far like other years, though. I don't think it's that no. Far out.
0: And Georgia has made a concerted effort to go out and recruit mm-hmm. the, that position, wide receiver, much better. than They have. I mean, I think you're you have a really good. I'd say outside of Ohio State, and Alabama, I'd argue Georgia's wide receiver core against pretty much anybody in the country. But I I'd, I'd give Alabama that check mark. Tight ends, though, oh, I think that's interesting. It's Georgia. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Jaleel Billingsley's really good.
1: I, I I I'll go. It's Georgia. Darnell Washington, Brock Bowers. Brock Brock should be, what is it, the Mackey? The Mackey Award? He should be a finalist for that. I don't know how he isn't. I mean, that dude, he's been true freshman, 10 touchdowns. That's all I have to say.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think pretty clearly, Georgia, you give them the tight ends. And I think pretty clearly as well, and it's crazy to say this, I'd give Georgia the offensive line nod as well. Alabama's offensive line outside of Evan Neal has been very inconsistent Uh, Bryce Young got sacked seven times last week flip that over I think Georgia's only given up eight sacks this year but I know they're number two in the country in sacks given up so you almost gave up as many sacks in one game as Georgia's given up in the entire year I'd give Georgia that offensive line nod as well flip it over defensively Georgia's Defensive line and linebackers are better than Alabama's. I know how good Will Anderson has been, but Georgia is not just one guy that can beat you. You, It's like a hockey line change. You can rotate those guys out and bring in another line, and there's not that much of a drop-off. I will say this. Last couple of games, there's been some times where they had to throw those starters back in there just to kind of – curve, it looked like a drive was kind of starting. You throw Jordan Davis and those guys back in there and that and that stops, but I'd give Georgia the nod on the defensive line as well, and then obviously with what Georgia can do with his linebackers, Nicobe Dean, that's all you really have to say, but then you have Channing Tindall as well back there. Walker is a really good linebacker, and Nolan Smith. Give Georgia the linebackers as well.
1: Mm, I, yeah, I'll go linebacker group and D-line. I think the D-line is elite linebacker group you can kind of sub them out in and out because i mean we lost will anderson um and and we haven't missed a beat so i'll go with adam anderson yeah adam anderson my bad i keep getting will and adam both (laughs) anderson's i get them mixed up sometimes but yeah um we that we haven't missed a beat with them too i'll say the secondary though that's interesting i'll still go georgia though I, i will
0: uh, that one I think is really tight. I mean, Jordan Battle's good, Job's good, even though Job's had some struggles recently. But, I mean, I guess it's kind of a untested group, I guess, would be the best way of saying that. We don't really know how good this team is because the best passing offense you've played is Tennessee. And you you were able to figure it out, but the way you figured it out was you just kept putting and Hooker on his back. The dude never had a chance to sit back there and get comfortable if you're just talking about in coverage, I think it's probably pretty even. But Keely Ringo, freshman All-American. Darion Kendrick has been unbelievable. And then Lewis Seen is the guy who's taken the most snaps defensively. He's been over 80% of the snaps for Georgia's defense. Louis Seen's been on the field. I I guess the health of Christopher Smith comes into it a lot here because we don't know if he's going to be able to go. He's practicing right now, but we don't know. So if it's Dan Jackson back there, Cam, and Breeny is having to play that star position, do you still give the nod to Georgia?
1: Yeah, I still give the nod to Georgia. I mean, I just saw Arkansas torch Alabama. Um, that's the team we shut. Um, what well, we blanketed them, 37-0. They scored 34 in the Alabama defense by throwing the ball in the air. I still give Georgia that nod. But like you said a few weeks ago, the most important position comes down to the quarterback. And when you have the best quarterback and the discrepancy yeah. on both teams is not too far apart, that better quarterback can lead your team to a victory. So that's why I'm still kind of like just holding my breath.
0: Well, look what Bryce Young did this past weekend. I mean, as many times as he got sacked, as many times as he was being pressured, you had to close it out, and you didn't, and you left him with just under two minutes, and he ripped your heart out. That's that's what Bryce Young can do. That's how talented he is. I think he's covered up a lot of deficiencies for Alabama this year. I mean, they ran for six yards against LSU, and they won the game.
1: Yeah. I mean, Bryce Young, he's special. I'd be curious
0: to see in Alabama's history how many times they've rushed for less than 10 yards and won a football game.
1: Probably never. Bryce Young is special, man. And I mean, everybody's talking about they play Auburn close. That's a hard rivalry. He went on the road. Went on the road and came back in three minutes down 10 and won that game and threw over 300 yards. That's tough to do for any quarterback. And he did that. So he scares the living crap out of me. He does. Cause the kid can move, he can move and he's, he's, he can improvise. I, I I love the way he plays football. I don't care if he doesn't play for Georgia. He's man. He's nice.
0: Again, okay, okay, coming nice. to you live from Coach's Corner in Savannah, be able to come in here, watch an SEC championship in the Sound Garden on Saturday. Kicks off at 4 o'clock, and, of course, we'll have all the pregame coverage for you and play-by-play coverage for you right here on ESPN Radio. I want to take a quick break, come back, talk about the Notre Dame coach job because it looks like, Cam, it's going to be the young dude taking cool. over and leading this team. Now could the unthinkable happen where the head coach leaves for Notre Dame? and they make the playoffs. I want, to, I want to break that down when we come back. Second down, live from Coach's Corner. Second down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the uniform source, Christian Gokel, alongside Cam Urshry, live from Coach's Corner in Savannah. Come out and say, hey, got a lot of drink specials going on this evening. And, of course, Saturday, the big one coming up, Alabama – Georgia. Four o'clock kickoff. Come on out to coaches corner. Make sure you're here early because seats will go fast. But again, Cam, we were kind of talking about this at the end of the last segment. Marcus Freeman, it appears like he is going to be the next head coach at Notre Dame. Nothing official has been announced, but there's been a ton of stories and a ton of reports coming out saying that the 35-year-old former Ohio State linebacker, will be the next head coach at Notre Dame, at least leading them through these next at least one, because they obviously qualify for a bowl game, but they're still they're still eligible to be picked to the college football playoff. They need a couple things to go their way, but, Cam, how wild is it to you that, number one, 35-year-old guy who just a couple years ago was a defensive coordinator for Cincinnati has transitioned this to he could be leading this team into the college football playoff.
1: I mean, that's – do you understand how cool that is? Your first game as a head coach might might be in the college football playoffs. And win or lose, because I think Notre Dame obviously would lose. They would play Georgia, Alabama, Win or lose, that's still a good experience because now, even if you make it or you don't, you still get a high-leverage moment type of game as your first game as a learning experience. To carry that onto the next season if he is the next head coach which it looks like he will be but I mean that's awesome that's great that's great for him he's only 35 years old um you know that, that's it's a great opportunity in Notre Dame like we know it's a top five brand might be the b- biggest brand all in college football
0: uh, I think it's a great choice if he is the guy uh from Notre Dame but again a lot of reports coming out that he is the guy but nothing has been verified as of yet but uh, Cam, of course, we've gotten all the, uh, the the sound bites now from Brian Kelly saying he, he feels like he could win a national championship at LSU, and that's why he moved on. I, I'm going to stick to my guns on this. I think there's one reason Brian Kelly decided to go to LSU, $100 million. And when you look at it, potential to make upwards of $15 million a year. I wanted to ask you this which school do you feel like had as an easier path to win a national championship? Because the narrative around it, when people don't want to talk about money is he went to LSU because he feels like it gives him a better path to a national championship. I don't think that could be further from the truth. Do I think he can get better athletes at LSU? Certainly. Do I think if he went head to head, even though maybe this, this happened recently, if he went head to head with his team at LSU and his team at Notre Dame, team at LSU probably wins, but we talk about an easier path, You don't have a conference championship game to worry about. You're not in a conference. You go out there and you schedule the service academies. You play USC every year. You play Stanford every year. And then you play a few ACC teams thrown in there. If you are undefeated, or as we've seen this year, if you have just one loss, you're probably in the college football playoff, and then you just have to win two games. You go to LSU, that's a murderer's row every single year and not not just on the field but on the recruiting trails uh, against teams that are just a few hundred miles away from you going after the same kids I don't know that I agree when people say LSU is an easier path to win a national championship I wouldn't say
1: easier I think the term that people need to use is a better path it's it gives you a better chance a better opportunity and I will say this obviously at Notre Dame if you go there you go undefeated you make the playoffs, which is likely to do every single year. I mean, a down year, they have one loss. But they don't recruit like all these other schools. And then when they go, they he's been there a couple of times. He just gets destroyed. At least he goes to LSU. There might be a year, kind of like what Georgia is getting right now, where all the teams are down and your team is up. And you have a chance to win a national championship. That window that Coach O had with Bur- Burrow, Chase, and Jefferson, we'll never see nothing like that again. I don't think so. But...
0: I think, I think we might see a lot more than you think just with the transfer portal now.
1: Yeah, that team is scary, though. I mean, you had two of the best wide receivers in the NFL currently right now in Burrow. He's a top 10, top 15 quarterback. But I think Les Miles, he has a chance to win a national championship. I mean, not Les Miles, my bad, my bad. By- Brian Kelly, he has a chance to win a national championship at LSU. Do I think he could beat Nick Saban? Absolutely, I think he can. I think it's possible. Kirby Smart? Absolutely. Are you going to do it within the next year or two? I don't think so. But can that happen in the future? Absolutely. I I wouldn't say it's easier, but I think it's a better opportunity for him.
0: Now, when you look at this and then you look at the, the Lincoln-Riley hire, I, I thought it was funny. Did you see the tweet, Cam, where he said he was going to make USC the, the mecca of college football? And then one of the Oklahoma players said, hey, yeah, he just told us this last week as well. I mean, it just shows you this is – It's something that we hold so near and near to our heart as fans of the sport, but I also think by doing that we romanticize it a little bit and we don't realistically look at it. It's a business. And for Brian Kelly and for Lincoln Riley, hundreds of millions of dollars for Lincoln Riley, they're paying off both of his houses in Norman. You can, Cam, right now, if you scrounge up the money, you can buy one or both of Lincoln Riley's houses in Norman. So everyone is like, wow, USC is just paying for that. It's like, well, they were gonna buy it and then they're gonna they're gonna sell it and make the money back probably on it. But it's it's a business. But the way I look at it too is I feel like we try to put emotions, our emotions on what the players are feeling. I think the players at Notre Dame, and I think the players at Oklahoma, especially with their ability to transfer now, they, they understand what it is, which this is a business. And if you get offered a better opportunity for better pay. More often than not, people are going to take that. I just I feel like we put we put our thoughts and emotions and we project those on these players. Whereas these players know what's up. They, the reason they go to a school for the most part is because it gives them a chance of accomplishing their goals or going to the next level. So I, I I don't think for everyone saying like wow the Notre Dame players were probably hurt by Brian Kelly's betrayal. I don't think they care.
1: No Notre Dame Brian Kelly he's paid his dues. He's paid his dues. He's done what he's but he's the all-time winningest coach at Notre Dame. As far as just wins, he has the most wins in Notre Dame history. He's paid his dues, so I know Notre Dame players don't have a problem. Now, as far as Oklahoma, I can see where the problem lies is because maybe you already thought Lincoln Riley's had one foot out the door, and in my opinion, he's kind of underachieved a little bit. You lose, you lose a game every single year in the Big Twelve, and you have all these Heisman quarterbacks. You're the offensive guru. Oh, I mean,
0: we talked about this yesterday. What's the, what's his biggest win?
1: There's no big win, and and this is the crazy part. In the past two years, you you underachieved last year with Rattler. You've extremely underachieved this year. Even though you won a Big 12 championship last year, you're not in it this year. You go to the college football playoffs, you continuously get smacked outside of the year with Baker Mayfield when you lost to Georgia, who Jake Fromm was a freshman that year, and Baker Mayfield was a Heisman Trophy winner. What is there, as an Oklahoma player, I would be kind of like, okay, dude, like— well. You know,
0: you haven't done... You're saying all this, could it potentially... I mean, I understand it's bad. This is like rock bottom bad, I could say, for Oklahoma fans, at least for their recent success, because of all the players that are transferring out and you lose Lincoln Riley. But could this potentially wind up being a good thing for Oklahoma? Like, had you reached the max of what you were going to achieve under Lincoln Riley, where it's, yeah, you're going to be in the Big Big 12 championship game most years, and you'll probably win it, therefore you'll be one of the four teams in the college football playoff, and then you'll get smacked, or now you can bring somebody else in, get you ready to play in the SEC, because as we've seen before, that style of play doesn't inherently work inside the SEC, you can bring somebody in who understands, probably has SEC ties, understands what it takes to play an SEC slate, and help you win these big games against the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Clemsons, versus just being a team that gets made fun of for giving up six, seven touchdowns and a half?
1: I believe this is the best thing that's happened. Lincoln Riley, you can call some offensive plays. You haven't been too great in the past two years, but you can call plays. I'll give you that. But the SEC is totally different. It doesn't matter about calling plays. Can you get stops? Can you run the ball effectively in certain moments throughout the game? Can you travel to Alabama and take down Nick Saban or Kirby Smart in Athens? They have to go get a, a a coach that is ready for that mentally. Is Bob Stoops that coach? I think absolutely. I, Bob Stoops is a freaking legend. I, I think absolutely. I don't really see I, where
0: they've – I don't think Bob Stoops is going to come out of his role – He's got a really cool role right now, where he's just the yeah. legend, and he gets to go around and hang out and be Bob Stoops, and that those are those are tough to pull people out of, right? When you get paid just to be who you are, that that's tough to pull people out of. But I do think it's a chance. Whether it's a Brent Venables, right? I think Brent yeah. Venables would be a great hire because then just you go get an, you go get an OC that you feel like runs an offense that you can just let him take over that side of the football, and then you're the head coach and you play Brent Venables-style defense? Because how many years have we heard, oh, this is the year Oklahoma is going to have a better defense. This is the year Oklahoma steps up and they don't have a Swiss cheese secondary, and then we see what happens and they just get absolutely torched. If you could go get somebody like a Brent Venables, you can lure him away from that cushy job he has with Clemson, I, I think that would be, be a win. And I think in a couple of years when you look back and say Lincoln Riley leaving might have been the best thing that happened to Oklahoma.
1: Outside of last year, Brent Vidables always even last year he had a decent defense. I mean, the year they Dude, lost. Right to LSU.
0: now, right now, you know who has a number
1: two defense in the country? Yeah, it's Clemson. In terms of scoring? Clemson. Clemson. Yeah, oh yeah. Clemson's defense is elite this year. That wasn't the problem. It was the offense. But I mean, you could go back to the days where they beat Alabama, um, with AJ Terrell getting pick sixes on Tua, all that good stuff. He could coach some defense. If you could get a guy like him and, like you said, an offensive mind to help him out, he could bring that SEC top style play like. Right, right, where it's at at Oklahoma. Like they could be back on back on track. I don't think they're gonna lose a step. I still, I still think Oklahoma is a premier job, in my opinion. Just judging off of what I've seen since I've been alive, Oklahoma's always been good. I've never seen them down. So I don't think they're gonna have any problems with Lincoln Riley leaving.
0: And and for all the talk, this is pretty funny because I pull I pulled it up here for all the talk about how football's changing and it's becoming this wide-open sport where defense doesn't really matter, more of a bend-but-don't-break style is typically how you win. All of the teams, let's say if it goes chalk, Georgia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, and Michigan, all four rank in the top eight of scoring defense in the country. And you look at them, and they're all teams that can run the hell out of the football, can play smash-mouth style, and can just beat you up physically. But another fun stat, and I know a lot of people have put this out there, Georgia's giving up 83 points this year. If you double that, they'd still be number one in scoring defense. Yep. They're giving up 83. The next closest is Clemson with 180.
1: I think a lot of people are missing those four teams you just named. Outside of Desmond Ritter, none of those teams have like NFL prospects at the quarterback position. And this year is the year where I appreciate college football so much. I mean,
0: Georgia's got plenty of NFL prospects at the position; they're just not playing. Yeah,
1: they're not playing. And I appreciate this year college football so much because it feels. We getting back to kind of like defense, smash, smash mouth football. It hasn't been a lot of air raid teams just winning games. Like people, teams are winning games off of running the ball and playing defense. It's beautiful to see. I that's how I like football being played.
0: Yeah, a lot of the uh, spread offense fans are going to be upset when the final four is Georgia, Cincinnati, Michigan, and what? <laughs> Notre gonna, Dame or Oklahoma State?
1: They're going to hate it. It's 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 going to be old school football, which I love to see personally. Cause, oh, you
0: know me. I've always told you, I watch football from the line out. My my eyes when I'm watching it start at the line of scrimmage, and then they go out from there. And typically, if you just watch the line of scrimmage, I you can tell who's going to win the game pretty quickly. Yeah. Again. Christian Gokel, Cam Urshry, live from Coach's Corner in Savannah. The perfect spot to catch the SEC Championship coming up this weekend. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more right here. Uniform Source, two different locations in Savannah to take care of all of your uniform needs. Again, coming to you live from Coach's Corner in Savannah, East Victory Drive. Come on by, hang out with the guys, three and out. We'll be broadcasting next, and I'll mean, right off the bat get right in to some playoff football but cam we have conference championship coming up this weekend i'm not going to get your picks here because i know you get you get real sensitive about those and you want to save those for as long as possible but what i want to know is out of all of these games which one do you think is going to be the most fun this weekend
1: oh crap the most fun
0: the most fun and obviously fun is subjective
1: um, I'm not gonna say Georgia because obviously that's not fun for me to have. That's
0: just anxiety. Yeah, I'm yeah, with you. V-
1: very bad anxiety. If I'm talking about fun, I I I'll be honest with you. I will say Baylor and Oklahoma State.
0: That could be fun. And only reason it why could I could also say that, be like twelve to three. Yeah, it's it's going to be a rematch
1: too, and I I just would love to see this rematch. I think that is one of two Baylor's lost. Baylor lost to them, so that's one of Baylor losses. And I think it's it's a long it's I wouldn't say it's a long shot, but I don't understand how they dropped from eight to nine after they won and Ohio State lost whatever. But if Baylor could win, I don't know, maybe a two-loss team could get in. We'll see. But yeah, that that is what I'm probably going nah, to be see, most excited you about. You
0: can't you can't enjoy the last like full weekend of college football thinking of like projecting out. You just have to enjoy them on a game by game basis. The first bit of advice I'll give you is don't for the love of God. Watch Iowa-Michigan. Unless you get that notification later in the day that, like, it's like 10 o'clock at night and it's like upset alert text from ESPN saying tune in now, then then you can go over and watch that game. But more likely than not, it's going to be like 24-3 to 3 Michigan, and there, there's no no part of that you need to watch. You know what you need to be watching at 8 o'clock? Who? Oh. Wake Forest pit in the ACC Championship game, two outstanding offenses. I mean, listen, Kenny Pickett, three thousand seven hundred eleven yards and forty-four total touchdowns. That's all you need to know. Uh, Going up, Uh What? What? Nah, I. It it all hinges on if Georgia loses.
1: I'm not watching. There was anymore. way
0: too much like there was way too much hesitation there from you.
1: Yeah, if Georgia loses, I'm not watching any more college football. I will be honest, like perfectly honest. I won't watch any more That's college fair. football the rest that. of that day. But if they win that day, I will actually choose to watch Michigan and Iowa because now I, I have to – I'm a scout now. I have to, you know, watch uh, the games. I have to watch Kirby the games. Kirby Smart's going to be
0: calling you up saying, Cam, what did you think about Michigan's defensive front on that one?
1: Yeah, I got to watch the games and see, you know, the matchups because now I don't have Alabama in my crosshairs. I'm I'm fine now. I could, I could go ahead and go scout these other teams. And I, more than likely, I would think we'll play Michigan anyway if they win the Big Ten championship and we beat Alabama. I think we'll play them in the national championship. So I would love to watch Michigan. And I got respect for Harbaugh. I really do.
0: You're not going to watch Sam Hartman against Kenny Pickett? Absolutely not.
1: <laughs> absolutely
0: you hit not. With, I'm sitting here next to BJ. BJ, Cam said absolutely not.
1: Unless the Falcons we, are picking one of those two. Him. Unless the Falcons want to
0: draft Kenny Pickett uh, and I will say him. this. The Draft Network, I believe, has the Atlanta Falcons drafting Kenny Pickett in the middle of the first round.
1: No, not the first round. Second round. If we can get him in the uh, second round, that's fine. I will still be there. Nah, if we can get him in the second round, that's fine. First round, we need to freaking go defense. But if we're not getting one of these quarterbacks, I'm not watching. I'm not. I'm not going to put myself and be like, oh, my gosh, they're awesome. They're great. Maybe the Falcons can get them, And then we pass up on another quarterback again. I'm not doing it.
0: Uh, we'll see. I- I'd say, I'd, again, the most fun game, if you're just looking for pure entertainment value, I think it's Wake Forest and Pitt. I'll also say Sunbelt, App State, Louisiana, last chance to watch Billy Napier with Louisiana. Okay. You, you tuning in for that one? 3.30 ESPN? Absolutely not. Absolutely Come not. Come on. You you watch the first quarter before Georgia Bama kicks off? No. or you already just, like, locked in. I will be at Coach's
1: Corner um, Saturday,
0: and I'm telling you. That's right.
1: You- I'm telling you right now, it will not be any football watching for me. It's meditating because my friend that's coming with me. He's a Bama fan. It's meditating. What's the
0: uh, what's the coach's quarter order for Cam?
1: Oh man, ten piece lemon pepper, kind of wet, and then a a a big tray of pizza. I just want a big tray of pizza for the game. I'ma eat the the wings before the game and the pizza for um for the game and you know some big lemonade, a pitcher of lemonade. <laughs> They have great lemonade there. Uh, Check
0: lemonade is a drink there, not a, another tasty cold beverage?
1: Oh, uh, hey, 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 hey. We're just going to speak on the lemonade right now. The lemonade, that's where can't we're going to stand at.
0: Can't say keep it on the low. Again, broadcast live <laughs> here at Coach's Corner in Savannah. Perfect spot to get out and watch the SEC, all the championship games. I mean, start You start off at noon uh, with the Big 12 championship game. Then you can just go straight into, like I said, Maybe watch a quarter. We've got plenty of TVs in here, but you can watch a quarter of that Sunbelt Championship game between App State and Louisiana, and then obviously the big one, Georgia-Alabama, 4 o'clock. Like I said, make sure you get in here early because seats are going to go fast. Then after that, just make it a full 12-hour experience here at Coach's Corner. You can stay and watch the ACC Championship, Cam, the ACC Championship big that night. Again, Coach's Corner live here in Savannah. Three and out coming up next for Cam Urshry back in the studio. This is Christian Gokel. We will catch up with everyone tomorrow.